What is up, Fathom fam? Thank you for listening and supporting the Fathom Church podcast. Remember, you can always connect with us at fathomchurchjacks.com and on all your social media platforms as well as on YouTube. We just want to let you know about a new weekly podcast that is now available to you called Fathom Beyond Sunday. Very different from our normal sermon podcast, really just um, some casual, engaging conversation on faith, life, and following Jesus between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. What's up, everybody? I want to uh, send a shout out to all the Fathom family in the room, but I want you in the room to show us some love to everybody watching online. Fathom fam, can we show some love to everybody online? This has been a wild and crazy year, and we've been apart, we've been together, we've been apart again, and so we're thankful that we're just continuing on in uh, this journey. I'm really excited that November is here. It is like one of my uh, most favorite times of the year, and, uh, and I just want to take a, a second to, uh, to thank you, to, to thank the Fathom family for how you uh, took time last week to honor us, to show your appreciation towards uh, me and Taryn and our kids, uh, our kids are pumped about this little indoor park they get to go hang out at, and we're excited to have a little bit of date night and dinner time, so thank y'all so much for how you blessed us. Man, we love, we love what we get to do. It truly is a joy to be able to, to serve the Lord in this capacity and leading you, and so uh, it's our honor to, to continue to do that just to, to the best of our abilities, and uh, I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm really looking forward to this month because as you just heard some of these events, this is exciting stuff. Like, what, this is one of our favorite events. It's like a big brunch out in the middle of the grass lot out there. Uh, it's always a good time. And then to, this year, we're adding something extra, and we're just going to be giving away a hundred different uh, to, uh, meals, uh, meal kits to a hundred different families. And so we really need your help. We, it, it, it makes no difference if we say, hey, we've set these supplies, we've raised this money, we're going to do this if, if we don't have people to give it to. And so we need your help to spread the word. If you know of families or people um, who could use a meal kit, it's going to be a turkey. Um, with Basically, it's a $20 meal kit that uh, you can either purchase, you can take the list, you'll find that in your email this week if, if you're on our email uh, roster. Or if you just want to donate, you can use the missions tab during the month of November. And if you do whatever increments of $20 uh, would take care of a meal kit. So if you say, hey, I want to provide for one family, the church is going to take care of the turkey and you're basically providing the meal kit for everything else. So you can just, just give, or if you want to take the grocery list that'll be provided, then you can go get the groceries and bring them back yourself. I know most people these days like, I'll just give you 20 bucks. You go get it and save me all, all the work. And so any, uh, like 20, so if you do 100 bucks or something like that, that's going to take care of five families. And, and so we're partnering with the Brazilian church that, that's been planted here uh, just in the past couple of months that we're, we're super excited to see what God does through this. So help us as you see this on social media, in your email, uh, forward that over to somebody, share that so we can bless as many families. And you're going to see a ton of opportunities to volunteer on the table. It's going to be very exciting. It's one of our favorite days of the year. So hope you'll make plans uh, to join us. Uh, I'm really excited to dive into the word today and, and finish out this series, uh, Citizens, that we've been on for I guess six weeks, really, uh, Pastor David taught on spiritual leadership, and we could have made that a part of this series, too, as a pastor appreciation, but it really fit, fit well uh, into this. We've been on a journey. If you're new here watching online or in, in the room, I'll, I'll just kind of catch you up. We've been in this series called Citizens that, that we're, yeah, we're citizens of, of the United States or, or other uh, countries, if you're watching online or if you're a citizen of another country, but we're also, we're, as sons and daughters, we're citizens of heaven, and 
And that means something because we're citizens under a king, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and he's our savior, he's our king. And so that changes the way we look at our earthly governments. It changes the way we feel in an election year because <laughs> we know that Jesus is our king and he's our, our lord over all. And then we began to talk about that, that as children of God, as citizens of heaven, heaven, that we're not just like trust fund babies. Remember that? We're not trust, we're ambassadors of heaven that we are called to go and show the love the justice and the holiness of God in, in this earth as his ambassadors, his representatives in the earth. Then we talked about unity. You guys remember the talk on unity, just that, that we have this responsibility uh, to be unified, that, that one of our greatest tools of evangelism to show the world that we're his disciples is, is that we're unified, that even as the world is dividing, even as they're fracturing, the church is coming together, the church is joining together, uh, d- despite political differences, despite socioeconomic differences, or, or uh, our diverse backgrounds, we're unified through the blood of Jesus. We give him praise for that. We talked about generosity. We talked about freedom. We've just been on this journey for six to seven weeks now, and I want to wrap that up today uh, by talking about the end times. Can I get a bum, 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 right? We're talking about the end times um, today. I remember as a kid, uh, there was this book series that came out called uh, Left Behind. Did anybody ever read Left Behind or hear of Left Behind? Um, I never read it. I never watched the movies because I was terrified of such things. Like, if I even heard the words in times, I just got anxious and I got kind of nervous. And I'm like, I just don't want to think about it. It sounds terrible. Like, I don't want the world to end. And so I just had all of this emotion. Anybody else, like, ever feel that? Like, when somebody says in times, okay, okay, a couple people, right? Not just me. And so I was really worried about that, so I'd never just read about it and never study it. And I know as some of you may even be like, hey, I actually, I still feel like that. Anytime that gets brought up, I'm just anxious and nervous and kind of like, I'd just rather not think about it. Um, but as I've studied the scriptures um, and, and, and learned really like good theology uh, about the end times, it's been so refreshing because it's changed the way I look at the end times. It's changed the way I feel about the end times. And, and I, I'm just praying that today, maybe if you're in that place and you feel some anxiety about that in 2020, when it feels like if we've ever felt a year that feels like the end, there's a lot of us, is this the end as earthquakes are happening in places that they've never happened? As the, as the news station is saying, this is the most hurricanes we've ever had since 2005, maybe forever. This will be a record-setting year as we see all the division and, and, and the rioting and things like that. We're like, is this the end? And we've seen these images and heard these stories and we just kind of, anybody else just ask the question sometime this year, is this, is this the end? Uh, growing up as a, a sure enough, you know, church boy, um, I, I heard for years and years, I've heard everybody say, you know, we're living in the end times. And, and, and for me, I was like, what, do what? Like, and they've been saying that since I was a little kid, and they're still, they're still saying that, and I just had trouble processing that. And so if any of you ever have felt any of those things and wondered and had questions, I, I've taught on this uh, earlier this year a little bit more specifically about heaven, because end times has a lot of different kind of subcategories, and so we're not going to deal with all of them today. We're going to kind of deal with a bigger heading of it, because uh, heaven and hell and the kingdom of God and the return of Christ, there's all these different subtopics that kind of fall under that. So um, now that I probably have your attention, <laughs> let, 
we're going to dive into the, the, the Word of God uh, today to, to really um, uh, look at, at what the, the Bible might tell us. I, I want to kind of start us real quick before we dive into Daniel chapter 7. I, I want to start us by discussing just a few truths that I want you to know that like, let's just kind of build a framework for, for uh, end times, because really uh, there's, a big, there's a big word for end times theology that I, I want to um, talk about here in just a moment. But let, let's start with this, like end times theology and the theology of kind of the end or, or the last days um, is something that faithful believers, faithful Christians who study the Bible can have different opinions on because it's complex, and even Jesus says, you're not going to know the day or the time. Like, he tells us, like, if you're trying to figure out, like, the Mayan calendar, it was, tw- tw- like, anybody remember 2000, like, Y2K? Like, we all thought, this might be the end, and then there was all the talk about the Mayan calendar in 2012, that that was the end, and it just feels like, okay, we just keep pushing it back, and, and, um, and so I, I just want to kind of start with this, that really, um, the, the end, um, uh, in times is really something that faithful believers can have different uh, perspectives on and different uh, beliefs on and pulling from the same scripture. So I just want to start that as a framework. So what, so what that means, I believe, is, is one that it shouldn't be distractive, distracting or divisive in the body of Christ. This shouldn't be something that someone says, I, I believe in this and I believe in this. So like, okay, we can't be in the same church. We can't be on the same row with each other. Actually, I think it provides some perspective. And if we're rallying around the places of scripture, then we can actually sharpen one another, help each other understand, because the reality is that we're all going to find out one day that <laughs> maybe none of us had it perfectly right, right? We're, we're all going to find uh, that out. It'll be revealed. And it's not a salvation issue, right? If you don't get this right, does that mean like you're going to hell? It's, 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 not, a, it's not a salvation issue. And it shouldn't be distracting. I find people, as they get in and they study it, they actually get distracted, and they get caught up in this kind of a rabbit hole to learn everything there is to learn, and it's really a uh, to know it's in its perfect perfection and 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 fullness. It, it's it's unknowable to a certain degree, but there's plenty for us to study, and that's what I really want to kind of spark your interest and get you a longing for more of it. We should long to know more about the end times and have clarity so that we can stay on mission. But it shouldn't be distracting, and shouldn't. Uh, be divisive. So that's the first thing I, I wanted you to know is, is just that this faithful believers can have a, a lot of different uh, thoughts on this. Uh, and so kind of the big word here is eschatology. This is like in the study of the end times. So everybody say eschatology with me. Eschatology. Right? I don't like to use the big fancy theological words because I feel like it can alienate people at times and feel like I've got to have like a theology degree to be a faithful Christian. And I just want to tell you, you don't. And that's why I don't use the big fancy words a lot of times. But this one's a really helpful one to know. Eschatologists study the end times. And there's some different kind of beliefs on this. Um, some believe that it's a realized eschatology, that, that the eschatology, like the, the end times have actually already occurred. They were realized in the first century through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus and really the destruction of the temple. Jesus points to that. That the first century um, destruction of the temple was in uh, AD 70. So that was the... That was the end times. It, it's already happened, and now we're just we're living in, in his, his kingdom. Uh, now, uh, others uh, believe like in a futurist, like it's all fut- future events. And I think the majority of people, majority of Christians, would think of when we think of end times, we think of something that's coming, but hasn't come yet. We think in the future. Um, and the inaugurated um, kind of philosophy or, or theology of the end times 
is really kind of both of those put together, that, that Jesus came and he already started his kingdom, that end times have actually already begun. So uh, everybody that's been telling us our whole life that we're living in the end times, I'm really going to tell you today that they're right. <laughs> they're right that we've actually been living in the end times since the very beginning. I'm going to show that to you scripturally. The futurist thing, I'm not even going to spend a whole lot of time telling you because we all know that. Like we, we all like kind of go there, but that Jesus already inaugurated the end times in the last days that we're actually living in those uh, is a little bit harder for us to wrap our brains around because that feels like fresher. So we're actually going to look at a couple of scriptures. Um, but it's not yet fully um, realized. It's not yet fully consummated. So we can think of inauguration, which means that it, would, it began, but it's not fully consummated. His, his kingdom, the end times of not. So it's an already reality that's not yet fully consummated. So um, with that, like scriptures point to to both the first century and the future events as the end times. Uh, They they do that. Like I said, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time um, on on the future events because I I think um, you probably already have that assumption. So let's look at two passages real quick to just kind of deal with this because I'm starting with this framework of, again, we can have this different beliefs on this if you believe something different, but I'm really teaching inaugurated eschatology today just so you, you, you understand. So let's begin in Hebrews 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and we're going to get into Daniel 7. I said that's where we're going. We are going there uh, in just a moment. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors. Hebrews 1, 1. This is how he's beginning his book. And, and really, Hebrews is about kind of Jesus reigning in heaven. It's about God's eternal reign. And this is how he begins this book. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. Verse 2. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. For the author of Hebrews, the life of Jesus inaugurated the last days. He's speaking about the last days as now, whom he appointed heir of all things, right? We're talking about that heir, that authority that he's given to us. And through him, he also made the universe, agreeing with with John 1 there. Let's look at another one, Acts 2. So it's there. It's there in the text. Acts 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. This is, Acts 2 is when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, after Jesus was raised on the, the third day, and he, he said, go and wait for me um, in the, the upper room. We'll go wait and, and, and prepare. Um, and they waited, and the Holy Spirit showed up, and it poured out like tongues of fire. And they're like weirded out, and people around are watching them, and, and we pick up. They think, they think they're drunk in the morning. And Peter, the leader of the church at the time, the leader of the disciples, here's what he, he says. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. He's kind of clarifying what's going on. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. This Holy Spirit, fire, they're not drunk. As you suppose, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what the prophet, uh, what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter's not clarifying something that's coming. He's saying what just happened is the last day. That's the fulfillment of what Joel said that in that very moment, in these last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all uh, people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. So you see what I'm saying? Like the scriptures actually affirm that it's not just a day off in the future. It's actually already inaugurated. And I think this is really best understood as we study it with the kingdom of God um, in times. And so that's kind of the second truth. The first truth is just to know 
um, that we can have different uh, views on this. This is the view I'm presenting today. The second uh, thing really today is, is that old times theology, or excuse me, end times theology and the kingdom of God really go hand in hand. So if I kind of use them interchangeably, I, 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 that's because I really believe they go, they go hand in hand. And the third thing, and that this is what's going to clarify this, and and, and where we're going with this, why I'm going to teach all this, is because I believe this theology has massive implications for today. Not to discern all of the current events, but it has implications for how we think and feel. It has implications for how we pray. And it has implications for how we live and interact in this world to, uh, with inaugurated eschatology. So that's where we're going with this. And I want to spend a little time teasing this out, because I know some of you are like, okay, that's definitely different. I never thought about it like that, and, and I know this is going to take a minute to process. So I want to go back, because this, this point right here, that Old Testament Jews had end times theology, and, and currently now Jews still have end times theology. They just didn't believe that Jesus inaugurated those current Jews. Uh, but Old Testament Jews that came to know Jesus believe that that, that began at this time because of what they heard Peter say. And, and, and that this was a fulfillment of what Joel said. And so uh, I want to go to Daniel chapter 7. Okay, so some of you will know that I am I'm, uh, currently pursuing um, a, a master's right now in Christian or in spiritual formation at Gordon-Conwell uh, Seminary. And one of, the, one of the things I've been pretty deeply studying right now is uh, something called the intertestamental period, which is, so the, the Old Testament ends at like uh, our our information we have on it in the books that were written about 450 BC. And then like the New Testament picks up with the birth of Christ. And so we have like 450 years in there that's called the intertestamental between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So I've been studying that period a lot. And, and why that's important is what I'm about to read to you. Uh, Daniel chapter seven is a vision of the prophet from the um, prophet Daniel that it kind of God brings him this dream and in this dream, it, there's like this water that's stirred up. Like there's just like a roaring sea. I don't, does anybody like to go out to like the beach at, when hurricanes are coming? Like, is that just me? <laughs> like, I love it. I love like going there before and after. Not to get in the water, not to do anything crazy, but just to like watch the waters stirred up. It's just so epic. And, and his dream, that's kind of what he sees. And, and then there's these four beasts that come out. These four beasts that come out of the water and like, this is, the, this is like, as, as a young person, like when I start hearing this stuff about end times, beast, like, no thank you. <laughs> like, okay, I'm, I'm exiting, you know, stage right now, because that stuff would just creep me out, and I didn't understand it. So Daniel has this dream, these four beasts come out, and the first one is like a lion that has wings. Uh, the second one is a bear. The third one, I, I, I'm not going to go into in too much detail about them. And then the, the fourth one has like sharp teeth, like iron. They're just strong, but yet they're brittle. Like they're, he's strong, but it's brittle. Uh, the, the, so there are these four beasts that come out. They're all very different. And what we'll come to realize, what we'll come to know, this prophecy and, and what we're going to read here in just a moment reveals that these were four kingdoms that were to come following the age of Daniel, following the Old Testament period. So in this 450 AD, then there's four kingdoms that rise up. And Daniel is saying, these that are roaring up out of the sea of the earth are the kingdom of Persia, the Babylonian kingdom, the Greek empire, and the Roman empire. These are the four kingdoms that he's speaking for. And if you know anything about history, this is exactly what happens. 
And in fact, Persia is the first one he mentions, which is the lion with wings. And modern-day Persia is Iran. Modern-day modern Persia is Iran. And if you look on the Iranian flag, what Daniel says, it's, it's a lion with wings. And if you look on the Persian, on the Iranian flag right now, it's a lion with a, with a sun behind it. I wish I would have had an image. That would have been a good idea, Kyle. And there's a sun behind it that one could think it's wings. This is, and he's not talking about now. He's talking about at that time. Like that would be the, the they were, the, the, they were uh, owning kind of the world. They had dominion over the world at that time. And then what followed that was the Babylonian um, Empire. And that was the exile. That was a major thing uh, for Jews at the time. And then what he says about Daniel, or what he says about uh, the third beast that rises up. He says this third beast had dominion, had authority, had power over the entire world. This is representative of the Greek empire. If you remember, uh, and, and I don't know if it's even an empire, the, the Greek kingdom or whatever. Um, if you remember who is kind of the largest historical figure in like, Greek history, like Alexander the Great. And what's his like, most famous thing is that he became... He, be, uh, he, he had dominion over the world, and that's exactly what Daniel said. He said this third beast would have dominion over the world, and that Alexander the Great conquered the known world by age 30. That's like his big thing, like that everybody knows him by. And so these three kingdoms, and then there's the fourth kingdom, that's Rome, and it's strong, and it's powerful, and that's where the scene that kind of leads up to the moment that Jesus steps on the scene. This is like history that leads up to this, and so like I knew some of this. I knew Daniel 7 was a pa- like a big passage, but I didn't realize how big. I just want to go ahead and bring it to you. And then we're going to pick up at verse 11 here, because then he says, these four kingdoms, these four beasts that rise up, they were temporary kingdoms. They were temporary beasts that had power for a moment, had dominion over the world for a moment. And then here's what Daniel says, verse 11. I just summarized the first like 10 verses in like 20 minutes. So sorry, it was like five minutes. Uh, Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. And the other beasts had been stripped of their authority. They had been stripped of their dominion, but were allowed to live for a period of time. Just, Just settle that for just a second. These kingdoms rose up. These beasts rose up. They rose and they dominated. They had authority over people. But they were, they were given that authority by God for a period of time. Kings and kingdoms rise up, but God has authority over them, and they're just for a period of time. And in my vision, verse 13, in my vision, I looked and there before me was like a son of man. What do we hear in the New Testament? Who is Jesus? The son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given all authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. All the kingdoms of this earth will rise, but his kingdom, the Son of Man, this is what Daniel's prophesying 400 and, or almost 500 years before, his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And this, this is so important for us in 2020, as we're two days away from our election, and, 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 and we're constantly being told, told that this is the most important election of our lifetime. We're constantly being told that. And I've, for those of you that have lived longer than I, you've probably heard them say that many times. 
that this is the most important election. And I'm not, I'm not demeaning that because I feel in many ways this is a massively important election. Massively, and, and really, I feel that all of them are massively important elections, and I think that's the urgency that leads us to action and to be involved in not only the political uh, process uh, by voting, but political discourse and being uh, involved in the world. And, and so his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. See, this, this is where I wanted to, to take us today to understand that, that his kingdom has begun. What happened? Like Jesus steps on the scene and, and, and Jews have been waiting. They've seen Persia rise up. They've seen Babylon rise up. They've seen Greece rise up. They've seen Rome. They've seen the four beasts rise up and they're waiting for the king to come. They're waiting for him to come and establish his kingdom. And Jesus steps on the scene and his first words out of his mouth in his preaching ministry is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's Jesus is telling them in AD 30, like the kingdom's here. Later in Luke chapter 17, he's among a bunch of Pharisees and they're asking him, like, when are we going to know? When's it going to come? And you know what he says? He goes, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Not, not in like non-believing Pharisees, not like, not those. They didn't believe in Jesus. They were trying to trick him. They were trying to get him caught up. I mean, we'll go ahead and read it. Luke, Luke 17. On being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. He's not talking about in the heart or within you, as some say, even though I think we could take some understanding of that as believers, but that's not what Jesus, Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is him. Like, he is establishing that kingdom of God, and that we are to repent and we are to follow him. So there's some major implications. So I, I just want to, if the band will go ahead and come and get ready, and, and we're actually going to sing back through that song we sang just a minute ago, and I think as we sing and pray through that again, we're going to see that, that this is all going to kind of come together, what God's trying to speak to us today. Because I believe there's implications for this inaugurated eschatology, for uh, this kingdom that is already here yet not fully realized for us. The first implication is that it changes the way we pray. It changes the way we pray. And I want to start with prayer. And I want to encourage you right now, if you've never been a praying person, and, and can I just be honest with you? It took me a while to develop. Like a, it took me a long while to develop a prayer life with God. Because the people would use words like communion with God and intimacy with God. And, and I couldn't see them and I couldn't touch them. And so it took me a while to really develop a prayer life with God. But I want to encourage you today. Like if you don't have a, a genuine prayer relationship with God, just start today. You don't have to like know all the right words, but you can express the groanings of your own heart in your mind to God or out loud from your lips when you're driving down the road. Because here's the thing, we're going to go into how it changes the way we think and feel and it changes the way we think and interact, but all this is going to start with changing the way we pray. It changes the way I pray, knowing that his kingdom's already begun and I get to be a part of that, that I'm a citizen of heaven, and that my king, it, though the things of this world happen, like, I pray with confidence. I, I pray with clarity. I, I pray knowing that I'm chosen, as Terrence saying earlier, I'm chosen in his kingdom, and I get to be a part of living out his kingdom on this earth. Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. He taught us how to pray. What did he say about heaven? What did he say about that? He said, pray, your kingdom come on earth, 
as it is in heaven. Like, God, bring it here. Bring it here today. God, help us to live, live and establish that in that unity and that love and that generosity. May it be a reflection of the end of times, of the end of heaven, that we see a restored kingdom of God here fully known, uh, even though we know in part now. It changes the way we pray. It's not just someday off our We have joy today. We have peace today. We have hope today. We have purpose today. It changes. I I pray I know I have those things. Second is that it changes the way I think and feel. A lot of us, just being honest, a lot of us, we've been thinking wrong. I'm not talking about eschatology. I'm just talking about 2020. We've just been thinking wrong. We've been feeling wrong. And I, and I don't, I know that like a counselor probably wouldn't say it to you like that. <laughs> like, no, no, just, just embrace your feelings and everything. But the, the truth of God's word is what refines us. It refines our thoughts. My thoughts often lead me to places that are not God honoring. My feelings will often lead me to do stupid things. But when I pray, and when I know that his kingdom's here, all the anxiety I had about the end times, all the stress I've had about this election, man, I just read Daniel 7 and just remind myself that Jesus is king, that he has dominion over all. He has and does and will forever. And you know what my anxiety does? I just wave to it as it moves out the door about every bit of political uh, uh, stress that I'm feeling, everything that I wish was different in this world. It begins to change the way I think changes the way I feel because I know that he's king and he is sovereign and kingdoms are going to rise but they'll also fall because they're brittle. They're brittle. They'll fall and his kingdom will know no end and it changes finally the way I live and interact. It changes the way I live and interact. What was Jesus' first words? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I think the first way that it changes the way I live is it causes me to repent. It causes me to repentance. You know, repentance is not just something I say when I say, God, I'm sorry, I did it again. That's not repentance. That actually doesn't please God or do a whole lot for him. What repentance is is saying, God, I actually, I actually deny this flesh. I deny that I, I'm constantly giving into that because I know it's not honoring to your kingdom. I, I, I know that it offends my king, and, and that's not what a, a, an ambassador does that lives in love and holiness and justice. And so I deny that. And I turn my back from my sin. And I begin to follow Christ. I begin to become a student of Christ. That's really what a disciple is, is a student, a follower that's learning and growing and chasing after God. And maybe you've just been trying to survive 2020. But I want us to learn and grow through 2020. And maybe all the things that have been going on for the past seven months, eight months, whatever it is, maybe in this moment, like we can just begin to repent of worrying about our own kingdom, worrying about our own things, some of the feelings, and, and, and just begin to let our prayer life refine us as we pursue God. Second thing it does is it causes us to live with purpose. It causes us to live with purpose. You know, we say around here all the time, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 are, is our mission statement. But I want to go back to verse 18 for you today. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Does that sound like Daniel 7 that we just read a minute ago? If the Son of Man would be given all authority, he'd be given all dominion. And what does Jesus say? I got it. And here's what I'm going to do with all this authority that God has given me. 
to be king over all. Here's what it is. Uh, Verse 19, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And remember, I'm with you until the end of the age. God's been given that authority. Christ was given that authority, and he slides that authority across the table to us as his citizens of heaven, as ambassadors for him living on this earth, but we are to live on earth as it is in heaven. That's my prayer for you today. That's my prayer for us today, that we would receive the implications of our God, his kingdom, uh, that's already but not yet fully realized. So it ain't going to look perfect on Tuesday. Is anybody just expecting it's not going to be a perfect week? Anybody? Just me? Like, I'm just, I'm not expecting perfection. Because I know it's not yet fully realized. But I know this has significant implications to the way I'm going to feel and think this week. It has significant implications to how I'm going to pray this week. And it has significant implications to how we live and interact in this world. And I'm just humbled that God chooses you. I'm humbled that he chooses me to be a part of his kingdom. That he chose us to go, not to come and sit, but to go into all the world, to go into your workplace, to go into your neighborhood, to go into your school, and to shine your light bright. That his kingdom has begun, but it's not yet fully realized. That's our hope today. I want to ask that you stand. This band's going to lead us, and and I'm going to ask you to pray in these next few moments as they sing. This song, you probably didn't even notice as we were singing it through, this song just resonates with that. Can you just throw those lyrics up for just a second? Maybe those first ones. Just to hear it. I just want to hear it. And then as we pray and sing, when I've forgotten, this is not the destination. Remind my soul to start recalling. It's just a hallway on my way home. As I remember the promise of your love never ending, Jesus, you're my never failing, even in the madness. My eyes are fixed on home. My eyes are fixed on home. Fathom Church, I want to pray with you and invite you to pray and to worship. And let's fix our eyes on home. Let's, let's fix our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, not on the kingdoms of this world, but on the kingdom of God. God, we love you today. We are humbled and honored and thankful, God, that you chose us to be your sons, to be your daughters, to be heirs, to be ambassadors, to be ministers of reconciliation to this lost and hurting world, God, in this moment, would you speak to our hearts? Would you settle some things in our prayer life, God, that we're going to pursue you. Our eyes are going to be fixed on your kingdom today, God, and that is still which to come. God, set, set the course of our week, set the course of the rest of 2020. That's going to shoot us into 2021, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never turned your back from your sin and said, I need a Savior, hey, I'd love to pray with you. I'm going to be right up here. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love an opportunity to encourage you and speak life into you. Pray that sinner's prayer with you today. Let's worship.